Well, my name is Tim. I'm part of the staff team here, and it's my privilege to just talk us through um, the last couple of the last verses that we've just uh, read. Let's just uh, pray before we, we jump into it. Father God, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for its life-giving properties. Um, we just pray this morning that as we explore these passages together, that our hearts will be open to you, that you will bring lasting and really clear change in our lives as we seek to know what it is to have a heart that is for you. We pray this in your name. Amen. So I am quite a fan of Disney movies. Um, and so I was really excited to find out um, that they have launched a new musical, a new ice spectacular. It's called Follow Your Heart. Here's the... Uh, uh, oh, this one's not working, that's why. Um, and the official press release uh, promises us that each element of this show was carefully planned for our fans so that they could experience their favorite Disney moments while believing in their own destiny. And this idea that if we just follow our hearts, everything will be okay in the end is actually quite a popular message throughout all of like Disney's um, media, whether that's the films, the TV, if you go on their website. And everything is just so beautifully written and so well produced and filmed that it's actually quite hard not to just get caught up in that message. And this philosophy of follow your heart is used all the way throughout modern culture, and it encourages us to do what your heart wants to do. Don't know whether you should be doing one thing or the other? Just follow your heart. Don't know if it's a good idea whether you should buy this 94-inch TV? Just follow your heart. Should I continue to carry out the responsibilities and the duties that I've committed to? Or should I throw off those shackles and travel the world? Just follow your heart. And it is true, though. We do all follow our hearts. But things start to get complicated when we stop and think about what exactly it is that is in our hearts that we follow. The question is, is what is in our hearts leading us in the path of wise things? Or is it leading us on the path of foolish things, as we saw last week, that leads to death? And people around the world use this idea of the heart just to mean the emotional part of us. But actually, the Bible talks as if it's more than that. Because it is. It says that the heart is actually our whole inner self. It's the very center of us. Both emotion and thought come from the heart. And each of us has this inner person, this part of us that no one else can see, where we form our desires and we dream our dreams and we make our secret plans. And Proverbs, all the way through the book, has a lot to say about the heart. And as the book offers this invitation to the good life, inviting us to live with wisdom, which begins with recognizing that God created the world and then living a life that fits with that. And chapter 4, verse 23, makes this really clear when it says, and we read this, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. One writer puts it like this. Our wants and longings and desires are at the core of our identity. It's the wellspring from which our actions and behaviors flow. 
Our wants reverberate from our heart, the epicenter of the human person. And this understanding of what the heart is flows throughout the entirety of Proverbs. And it shows us all the way through that the heart can be either wise or foolish. Uh, In chapter 23, verse um, verse 15, the father says this, My son, if your heart is wise, then my heart will be glad indeed. And we get these contrasting pictures of wise, wise and foolish hearts all the way through. Chapter 15, verse 7 says, The lips of the wise spread knowledge, but the hearts of the fools are not upright. And again, in verse 14, we read, The discerning heart seeks knowledge, but the mouth of a fool feeds on folly. Our hearts can be filled with wise desires, desires that flow from knowing that God is the maker of everything, or foolish desires that spring from thinking that we're in charge. And it's the heart, it's our heart that trusts. Proverbs 3.5 urges us to trust in the Lord with all our heart. And it's the heart that loves and it hopes. But the question is, what is your heart trusting? What is it hoping for? What are its desires? And it's for this reason that we really need to know what is in our hearts. Because if everything flows out of it, then as Proverbs says in 27.19, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. Whatever is going on in your heart, whatever we are thinking and feeling, whatever our morality is, whatever our heart wants, is what our life will look like. And Jesus himself drives this home really clearly when he says in Matthew 15.18, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. Well, recently, our ever-so-shy and retiring foreign minister, Boris Johnson, discussing France's attitude towards Brexit, compared the president, Francois Hollande, to a World War II guard administering punishment beatings. And of course, the EU and the press went absolutely crazy over his comments. And it forced his press secretary to come out and say, oh, he didn't mean to say what he said in such a way as he said it. But actually, he really did. So what he thought and what he felt in that moment came out in that outburst. What was in his heart came out in what he said. And I bet we can all think of times that we've done the same. We've said something and then followed it up with, oh, sorry, I I didn't actually mean that. Or "I, I misspoke. And we may not be overly happy with what we said, but it only comes out because it's in. And we all need to be aware of our hearts because whatever it is will eventually make its way out. As water reflects the face, our lives will reflect our hearts. Whether you cultivate desires and thoughts and plans, they will eventually come out. And that's actually bad news for us, because Proverbs also tells us that the heart is corrupted. When Disney tells us to follow, just follow our hearts, they are right, we should follow them. But they're making one fatal error, because they assume that at our core, we are fundamentally good. 
And if I go with what I feel, I will make a good decision. But Proverbs actually completely disagrees with Disney. The writer of Proverbs is really damning about our moral state. He says there's a struggle between trusting ourselves and our wrong desires and our foolishness and trusting God who created the world. So we should only follow our heart if what it's leading you to is wise. In chapter 20, verse 9, the writer of Proverbs asks us, Who can say I have kept my heart pure? Am I clean and without sin? Anybody fancy answering that? Anybody fancy answering that just for this morning? If we're honest, we can all think of a time, maybe even today, when we thought or did something foolish because of the foolish desires of our hearts. Maybe you were impatient with your children because you value yourself ahead of other people. Maybe you're drinking too much because your heart desires the escape of being drunk. Maybe you're letting your desire for financial security keep you at work too long and at home not enough. I know for myself that I've been late on a Sunday because my heart values entertainment and comfort. So I stay up too late and I sleep too long. What a foolish desire that is, isn't it? It's like, how foolish am I to think that one more episode or ten more minutes in bed is more important than meeting with the God who made everything? My heart's corrupt desires have made me live in a foolish way. As if God is not the creator of everything, calling me to know him and meet with his people. Because left to our own devices, our heart's wants and longings are foolish and corrupt. Proverbs 21.4 tells us that haughty eyes and a proud heart, the unplowed field of the wicked, produce sin. When my heart is foolish, I desire money more than God, so I envy. I treasure my own comfort in my heart, so I am lazy. I desire to put myself above others, and that comes out in my actions. No matter how hard you try and conceal it, the things that your heart loves will eventually be seen in the way that you live your life. You can't allow foolish things to live in your heart and not expect them to come out. As we saw in Proverbs twenty-seven nineteen, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. Understanding the foolish nature of our hearts makes this verse a stark warning to us. If our hearts are foolish, then our whole life will begin to be too. And how ready are you for the things in your heart to be reflected in your life? In the TV show Breaking Bad, we meet Walter White. He's a high school chemistry teacher who finds out that he has cancer. Worried he won't be able to pay for his treatment, he makes the decision to use his knowledge and his skills to make drugs to pay for his treatment. He lets his desire for money allow him to make a really, really bad decision. 
But the problem is it doesn't stop there. It's not just one episode long. Because episode after episode, season after season, he continues to make these really bad choices. And he's fueled by the foolish desires in his heart. And they bury him deeper and deeper into the criminal underworld. And they keep on changing his life bit by bit. Until by the end of the show, the Walter White we see is completely unrecognizable from the one we meet at the beginning of the show. If we could step into our TV and show the Walter that we first meet a snapshot of his future life, what do you think he would say? That's not me. That's completely not who I am. Every decision we make is moving our hearts towards being foolish or wise. We are allowing our hearts to orientate our lives towards wisdom or towards foolishness. And it's easy when we do something foolish to say, oh, well, one thing led to another and things got in a mess. When actually what we mean is I made a mess of things. We are always trying to find a way of denying that bad stuff has its source in my treasured and wrong desires. In my longing for a version of the world where I am in charge, not God. But the thing is, it doesn't matter if you manage to, on the whole, hide what is in your heart or not. Because Proverbs 17.3 tells us that our heart is the part of us that God will test. It says, the crucible for silver and the furnace for gold. But the Lord tests the heart. God will judge us based on what we truly love and desire and want, not the public face that we put on. And to test gold and silver for impurities, they go through these extreme processes of heat and pressure. The metals are pushed to their absolute limits so that any pure impurities in their makeup will be brought up to the surface. And this passage is saying to us, how much more then is our heart, something immeasurably more valuable than silver and gold, is going to be tested by God? And when he does, what is he going to find? Will it stand the test? Or will it be found impure? In the tests these metals go through, Anything that is impure is rejected. It burns away under the extreme heat of the process. And this is what Proverbs is saying is waiting for us. Impure hearts will not survive the test. He will completely, totally, and utterly reject them. So we cannot, under any circumstances, ignore the reality of our foolish hearts. We can't stand in direct opposition to the one who rules the world and will one day judge it. Instead, we need to acknowledge that our hearts can be foolish or wise and to be acutely aware of their corrupt nature, that they are prone to loving the wrong things and orientating our lives around them. We can't present one version of ourselves on the outside and then plead ignorance when we do things that are out of character. 
Because actually they aren't out of character, are they? We, can, we cannot be one thing on the outside and harbor foolish things in our heart and not expect them to come out. What an absolute mess. Because what is in our hearts will come out. And if our hearts are foolish, what are we going to do about it? Well, Proverbs tells us that our hearts need to be transformed by trusting in God. Wisdom needs to be written on our hearts in place of foolishness. As Proverbs 3.3 tells us, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. We need to have our hearts rewritten, to have love and faithfulness etched into our hearts. In Ezekiel 36 verses 26, God makes a promise to his people when he says this, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from your, all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And this promise is fulfilled in Jesus. Paul shows us this in Romans 5, um, in, verses, in, chapter, in verses 5, when he says, Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. When we open up our hearts to the Lord, he pours love into us and rewrites what we love. And Paul tells us what this love is in verse 8 when he says this, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ dies for us so that while we were still sinners, God's love can be poured into our hearts. He died so that he can cleanse us from our impurities, those things that make God reject us, so that our hearts can stop being attached to the wrong thing and may wonderfully and permanently be bound to our amazing, life-giving God. When we open ourselves up to this gospel, this sacrificial love, that is how we are changed. That is how the Lord rewrites wisdom in the place of foolishness on the tablets of our hearts. His love changes your inner self so that you want to obey him. Belonging to Jesus means that you will stop valuing whatever it is that you are treasuring over him whether that is your studies or your relationship status, your financial security, or maybe your kid's education. Because of Jesus, our hearts are transformed. As love is poured in, this stubborn and corrupt heart that rejects God is changed into a trusting heart. And we are now able to obey him, to put our trust in him instead of those things that are making our hearts foolish. In that instant where we recognize our foolish hearts are putting us on the path towards death and ask Jesus to transform our hearts, our hearts are changed. 
But we are still here. We're still living on this earth with all its complexity and all its brokenness. And still our hearts can be binding us to themselves to the wrong things, step by step moving us towards foolishness, or to love and faithfulness, moving us step by step towards wisdom. So we need to remember that in Christ our heart is transformed and its impurities removed. No longer destined to be rejected by God, but instead is saved by him. This is the truth that is etched into the tablet of our heart. And we're talking old school tablets here, not my iPad. They're made of stone. And the words are hammered in. And once those words are on, they are on. There is no edit undo feature. And it's with this type of permanence, this incredible love and faithfulness is etched onto our hearts. So there's no chance of it fading away. A murderer can sit in the dock in court wearing a suit and tie, have a fresh new haircut, looking for all the world like an upright member of society. But his smart suit and his nice appearance cannot change the man that he's on the inside. And this is true of all of us. It's no good putting on a good show, wearing nice clothes, having a good job, saying the right things, but yet ignoring the foolish heart inside of us. I can stand up here in my iron shirts and my trousers that barely get a look in during the week and say the right things and look the right way, but if my heart isn't right, then it's useless. I can try my best not to swear at the person who cuts me up on the road, but if my heart is not right, if I'm desiring the foolish things, then it's useless. As we have seen in Proverbs, we will always follow our hearts. But our hearts are prone to desire and attach themselves to things that make them foolish. So the question we need to be constantly asking ourselves is, where is my heart leading me? Because here in this room, we all look fine. We all look nice. And it's easy for us to say the right thing, to dress the right way, to blend into this sea of okay. But all of us are at risk of growing these real and dangerous attachments in our hearts. The foolish things that try and convince us to deny wisdom's offer of the good life. We can look as good as we want on the outside. We can try and hide our foolishness as deep and as dark as we want. And we can think that we are just secretly desiring something that involves rejecting God. But God can still see it. And either way, whether wise or foolish, just as silver and gold are tested by fire, God will test your heart. So stop pretending you're okay. And confess to God where your heart is foolish. And ask him to change you. Ask him to etch the gospel onto your heart. So we all right now need to ask ourselves very honestly, am I making sure I look fine on the outside? But inside, am I allowing my heart to desire the wrong things? Are the things I desire and trust in, bit by bit, making me more and more foolish 
Is my inner self orientated around the things that will result in God rejecting me? And as you go about life this week, keep on asking yourself these questions. Are the things I'm doing and saying, are the things I'm hoping for, because my heart is attached to wise or attached to foolish things? And as you ask yourself these questions, open up your heart to the Lord and let love be poured in. Let your heart be rewritten so that the foolish things in your heart will be replaced with love and with faithfulness. And if you are here this morning and you're not a Christian, we're really glad you're here. And if you're sat there and you realize that you're looking for all the world like everything is okay, but you know that you are forming desires for foolish things, Jesus is offering you today a transformed heart. As the passage says in Romans, Christ died so that your heart can be changed, so that love can be poured in, rewriting your heart with God's love and God's faithfulness. So if this is you, why not speak to someone who's been at the front here? Or if you've come with um, somebody, why not talk to them? Ask them to pray with you that God will pour out his love in your heart. Ask him to change your inner self. This part of us that no one can see, where we form our desires, dream our dreams, and make our secret plans so that it may desire to live a wise life that recognizes the truth that God created the world and is the one who gives us life. I'm going to pray in a minute and then we're going to have just a bit of silence to think about these things, to ask these questions to ourselves. And then in a few minutes the band are going to lead us in a song to help us to reflect on that. Let's pray together. Father God, we are truly sorry when our hearts desire selfish and foolish things. When we try and live a life that ignores that you are the creator God who made everything and offers us this good life with you. Today, may we all really know what it means to have a transformed heart where love is poured in in the place of selfishness that we may live lives that glorify you through our wise decisions. Lord, let your gospel be at work in our lives, changing us day by day, bit by bit, decision by decision so that we will one day stand in front of you confident that we will not be rejected, knowing that you will accept us in through Christ in your love. Amen. You ask questions of the person who's spoken. Maybe it was something you didn't understand, maybe something you disagreed with, maybe something important you thought Tim left out. Uh, any of those are fine. So we'll just give you a chance to stick your hand in the air and ask a question. And we've got one over here first okay. from Helen and then Mike. A little bit more. 
I'll just repeat that so it's on the recording. How do we distinguish more advice, please, on what's wise and what's foolish? Um, one of the things that I, I, I thought about and then I didn't end up really talking about um, was it feels very much like when the things that we are doing are either glorifying ourselves or glorifying God. And I think when you are doing something, it's very easy to, well, not easy, but I think it's important to ask that question of ourselves. Is, is the thing that we are just about to do glorifying God um, and allowing us to show God's grace and God's mercy, or is it allowing us to kind of be in control and put ourselves in our control? Are we allowing our desires? And it can be even in the smallest of things. I think um, we can always think about this in the big things, can't we? And like, am I, uh, am I going to move halfway across the world or am I going to kind of uh, and, and serve Jesus or am I going to get a job here? But actually, it's in, even in the small things, um, how am I using my downtime? How am I using my family time? How am I um, using the time that I get to go and hang out with my friends? Um, all those kind of things, are they glorifying God or are they um, allowing ourselves to glorify our own hearts? I, Peter's going to talk more about this next week, I think. Um, so come back then. Um, but I think one of the things that I would just add to what Tim said, which I totally agree with, is in Proverbs, wisdom keeps saying, I'm standing on the street corner, I'm standing on the gate. It's easy to find me. And yet our experience so much seems to be that like, I'm faced with this situation, I don't know what the wise thing is to do. I wonder if that's because we've just got into the pattern of doing what Tim said, of just doing what we want most of the time, and then eventually we get to a crisis moral point where we're like, I can't work out what the wise thing is to do. Whereas, in fact, as Tim's saying, you start with the small things. It's most of those things. It's not difficult to work out what the God-honoring thing is to do, you know, snap at my wife or not snap. It's easy to work out what the wise thing is to do as that pattern gets embedded in your life of wisdom actually on the complex thing what the wise thing is to do becomes clear so I think there's a bit of that in Proverbs too Peter will talk to us all about it next week I'm sure Mike you have one yeah great question so above all else Proverbs 4.23 says guard your heart says very important is that something we do is that something God does or is it as Mike suspects a bit of both um I'd agree, Mike. It is, I think, definitely a bit of both. Um, it's interesting. Every time, a lot of the time, when when God talks about wisdom, He also talks about like um, our mouths as well. And I think that's really important, isn't it? Um, it's kind of it says like um, it's in your heart and on on your lips. Keep wisdom on your lips. And I think that's a really important thing because it kind of talks about telling ourselves wisdom, doesn't it? It's kind of. Um, I once uh, heard a guy talk about um, depression, and he said we can either um, let our hearts speak to us or speak to our hearts. And I think that was really, that really impacted me. It's like when I get up in the morning, what's the first thing I do? Is it listen to my heart or tell my heart who God is, how great he is, and to, to, to allow that to kind of sit on my heart? So I think um, for me, um, but I think the only way we can do that is through his spirit. It's like... It's, um, it's one of those kind of conundrums where like, we need his spirit to ask his spirit to help us. And so somewhere in there is kind of is, uh, is the theological mechanic over the logical mechanic. Um, but yeah, keep on speaking these truths to your heart in every situation and see wisdom flourish. I totally agree. And I think one of the things you've really shown us today, Tim, very helpfully, is that the hard work that is ours to do, we often just don't want to do. 
So what the Bible says is, if something is manifesting in your life that is bad, it is coming from your heart. You don't get to say, oh no, it's my circumstances, or it was just a blip. It is coming from your heart, and because we don't want to accept that, we don't do the hard work of saying, well, what is in my heart that's producing this horrible stuff? We just don't like doing it. And it's God's grace, the gospel, that frees us to do that, because God says to us, listen, whatever we find in there, (laughs) you're still loved, you're still safe, you're still welcomed, so let's do the work that's yours to do, which is dig in to the stinky mess and find out where it's coming from. You're free to do that. But we often just don't do the work, and we do like the sort of, I just misspoke, or um, it's my upbringing, or whatever. So, yeah, good, great. Any more before we sit down? Yeah, Louis. It's a great question. So there seems to be a link between wisdom and good health without Proverbs. It threw out characters in the Bible. That doesn't seem to match exactly. How do we make sense of it? Do you, do you have an answer? <laughs> it's very humble of you. <laughs> um, it's a great question. I think it all comes with understanding the type of book Proverbs is. So Proverbs comes in a set of three wisdom books. Proverbs, Job and Ecclesiastes. And you see, particularly in Job, here is someone who's very wise, who really wants to live the way that God has ordered the world, and still everything bad happens to him. Now, that's not a contradiction of Proverbs. I think what Proverbs is saying is that basically it's usually true, this. And then what Job and Ecclesiastes say, but the world is fallen, so sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Um, And so it's basically generally true, isn't it? Not always, but generally true. If you live the way that your body sort of limits you, you will end up healthier. You know? So if you don't overeat and if you exercise a bit and if you uh, don't damage yourself, you'll live longer. But of course the world has fallen and people get cancer who've never mistreated their bodies at all and people you know, have die suddenly. So I think it's got to do with understanding that the books come as a three- Um, But I think that we don't get to back off the sort of creation wisdom, which does say in most of these things it is true. Proverbs says all sorts of things like, if you pull a dog's ears, it will bite you. You don't disprove Proverbs by going and pulling your next door's dog's ears and it not biting you. It's generally true. Provoke a dog, it will bite you. And that's the nature of the book of Proverbs. I don't know if you've got anything you want to add from your Uh, study of it. No, I think... Okay. um, Yeah. (laughs) I would agree. Thank you. Let's hand back to Lindsay.